the world. Going out to the world is what we're calling our Writers Drinking Coffee podcast here. <laughs> this is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and or wine, spirits, you know, talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language, we'll almost certainly drop the occasional F-bomb, but none of that is the point of the drive of the content, so please consider us PG-13. There will be rants and raves and occasional readings. There will be very conflicting creative advice driven by many, many different points of view. Your hosts today are Chaz Brinchley and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 22, live from World Fantasy Con with Caitlin Blaisdell. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you, Jeannie. <laughs> Caitlin is an agent for Liza Dawson Associates, and uh, we invited her here. She is actually Chaz's agent in America. Is that she correct? Is. That's, That's right. right. Yep. So how did how did you two crazy kids meet? Um, I had a previous British agent um, who works with Caitlin um, as as their American sub agent. Um, it's is it is this complicated? Um, I, I write a book. I send it to my British agent. Uh, my British agent does a deal in the UK for, for for British and and Commonwealth rights, but American deals are different. So she sends it to the American sub agent, who then sells it to American publishers. Hopefully, is how it's supposed to work. I think. That's right, and it totally worked with you. It did. So, yeah. It's been lovely. So, so wonderful uh, fantasy <laughs> novel set in um, Palestine, and oh, that's right, you did you did Uchma first. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask kind of the beginner ones for a lot of people because you're our first agent that has okay. come and joined us here. So the kindergarten questions. I'm sorry, they're going to come up here. How did you become an agent? <laughs> what is that? What does an agent do? Let's start. What an agent does for people. Um, well, I, I became an agent because first I was an editor, and that's a, actually a fairly common path. Um, and then the agent, editors these days have too much to do. They can't read everything that gets sent to them. So the agent is sort of a, a filter in a way. So we get submissions from, you know, anyone who wants to write a book, and we find the ones that um, we think we can sell, that we really love, um, and we take those writers on as clients. Um, I'm what's known as sort of an editorial agent, so I do a lot of editorial work with my clients. She's brutal. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'll let that pass. And then... <laughs> No, no, actually, that was a compliment. I, it really was. So, And then, yeah, and then we turn around and sell it to editors. And then once the sale is done, then we negotiate the contract. And then we just sort of keep an eye on the book. Like, you make sure the cover is good and the copy is good. Well, who decides on the cover? I guess, I, you know, tell us, how does that work? Can, 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 I, can I backpedal? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll get on to covers. Um, so I'm, I'm just... The first thing you said about the role of an agent is that you act as a filter for the publishers. Is that, is, is, I mean, do you think that's your first priority? Because it didn't used to be so. Um, you know, agents in the traditional model, as far as I remember and or understand it... When I were, was a boy... Sorry. I'm sorry? <laughs> when I was a boy... <laughs> I have been in this business a very long time. Yeah. Um... I sold my first stories in the 70s. Um, but an agent was basically 
on the author's side. They they were there to represent the author in the in the negotiation negotiations and the relationship between the author and the publisher. They weren't in those days, as far as I understood it at the time, acting as a sort of filtration service to make sure that the worst stuff didn't reach the publishers. Mm. Um, maybe I'm just thinking that way because here we are at a, yeah. a convention yeah. and there's editors yeah. and writers and of course I'm the advocate for the writer and sure. that yeah, yeah, yeah. comes on with sort of you know only taking on books that I love. Yeah. But you know, once upon a time, the editors would be reading also. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, just, I think they I don't think, do that anymore. No, I think I think that is that's the point. Is that one of the major changes that has overswept the industry in my lifetime? Is that agents do actually both these things, the, the, the filtration thing and the editorial yeah, role? Yeah, I am. Is that These are both relatively new. I guess that's right. I mean, there are fewer editors. Yeah. You know, publishers keep shrinking their yes. editorial staff. And now they have to spend a lot of time on things like social media. Mm-hmm. They're in meetings all the time. They never sit at their desk mm-hmm. and read a book. I mean, I certainly never did that when I was an editor. Um, and, and I presume that's why they don't really accept unsolicited manuscripts anymore. Yeah. Right. Because they, there's, yeah. they don't have time to read all the things the agents send them, which is why it's important as an agent to have relationships with the editors and know what they're looking for and for them there to be trust so that... If I send something, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to look at this because, you know, Caitlin's not going to waste my time. Yeah. Right. right. So. Um, when I was back in, back in the 90s, I was on um, a radio thing with an agent um, who later became my agent, but it was Dali. Um, and, and I asked him how many manuscripts he was sent a year. And he said, oh, about a thousand. And... Of those, how many would he actually take on as clients? He said, maybe half a dozen. And of those, how many would he actually sell? He said, maybe two or three in a good year. Um, it's, it was that kind of relationship then, that kind of you know, distortion. Um, and I suspect it's worse. How many, how many manuscripts do you get sent a year? Do you count? Well, I only accept query letters, not manuscripts. Okay, right. Um, so, but, gosh, I don't know, like, maybe 20 letters a day um, and okay. it, it fluctuates I mean yeah. if somebody puts like this will probably generate more submissions yes it will I'm sorry about that and but they'll all be magic and wonderful <laughs> and we'll take them all on are you listening out there our writers that's right you'll have to go through us to get to her maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we could be a filtration system for yeah, you I well let me like, you, you brought up numbers so Let me ask, and this may be an industry sort of question. In America, it feels like there's fewer people reading um, because there's some of the big bookstores are closing, and I don't know, but they're saying fewer people read a book in a day. Are there more or more or fewer people writing them? Don't laugh. You know what I'm doing. No, I was, are, are, I was there, are there more manuscripts now? Fewer light. Thank you. Yeah, I know. That's why I was looking at you the whole time. <laughs> I stuck my tongue out at him. But it, so are, do you feel like you get more than you got 10 years ago? Less? About the same? Um, I keep a very low profile online, partly to keep the submissions down. I would really rather get submissions from people who have done their research, who have said, I love Charlie Strauss's books or Chaz Brenchley's books. And who is their agent? I mean, you know, or who have gone to Clarion or have some credential because... 
um, you know, it's just a higher yield of good sure. projects. So it it just fluctuates depending on right. you know you, how, how high my profile is. Do you know how easy it is for random writer to find out who Charlie Scott's agent is? Dead easy. I'm sorry, I can answer yeah, this one. No, no, no. I am a Google queen. Yeah. <laughs> when when I was started, first starting, that's who you do, is you can say, this is my author, who, and you can actually type in Google, who is Charlie Strauss's American right. agent? Right. And yeah. somewhere there's a website where it'll tell you. And before that, you know, you would go to the, the bookstore and open up one of the books, and yeah. you're usually in the acknowledgments. Right. <laughs> the, the author knows, you know, so, what protocol is. So I'm just saying, have you ever, is she in your... I, 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 I kind of stopped doing acknowledgements so much. You mean thing? Um, no, no, no. It was it was a thing that happened. I used to, I used to, write, I used to enjoy um, all the stuff that fits around a book. Um, sort of writing cover copy and 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 the dedication, and then the the page afterwards there was acknowledgements and da 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 da. da. Um, and then, I mean, this is back in the way early days when I was writing um, thrillers and mysteries. Um, and and a, a colleague said, Chaz, the only thing about your books is that I read them and they are so suspenseful and I get all tense and worked up and I hit the end. And then suddenly there's this page of stuff that is unrelated to the actual text of the book and 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 it breaks the mood it, it you know, i don't i don't get the sort of the slow ride down from a book that i want it's such an intense experience hmm. and then huh. suddenly there's this thing um and 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 i said so you're you're suggesting that it should go in the front and he said yes i think i am and i tried that for a little bit so a bigger dedication a smaller acknowledgement no at the um, end, uh, it was uh, this was this was he was what he was proposing was moving the whole acknowledgements thing to the front rather than the back of the book oh. i tried that but it seemed odd um and i kind of stopped doing it so people have gone unacknowledged. Should he should he write acknowledgments? Should I write acknowledgments? Uh, it's the first thing I look at in a book. <laughs> it's, like, it's like gossip, you know, like oh, who's this person's, you know, agent? Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you can yeah. sort of tell by how they write it, like you know whether they really have a good relationship with their agent or not. And, <laughs> Are they coaching? And their, and their editor, and yeah. you know, um, is there poaching? I was just going to ask that. Do you actually poach clients? Deliberately, I, consciously? I don't poach, no. Right. I mean, uh, is there it's poaching? a very small I mean, business. Yeah. I would I, not like... I love Charlie Strauss. I would love to be. <laughs> so I can see that, you know. Um, it's a small business. I mean, yeah. I, I know all the people I would be taking yeah. them from. So, no, yes. I, don't, I don't do that. You don't do that. Do, do other people do that? Have you been poached from? Um, no, I don't think so i think you know people leave. Do, do people leave of course people people and then they go somewhere else yes yeah. but um no i don't think anyone's uh, ever done that to me i think because i do so much editorial work with mm -hmm. a, a client yeah. like you know we have a relationship yeah. it's not just like you know a, a calling up you know and saying oh you know i've sold this or that or whatever so that makes sense yeah so you say you started off as an editor i did at harper collins and then what, what, what was the freelance? Yeah. Uh, where was that? Why, why did I change? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was hard. I had like you know been working for so long to become an editor. Like really, like it was my dream. Mm. But then you know honestly, I had kids and I just needed a more flexible job. I mean you know it being an editor sucks. You're 
you're working, you know, 60 hours a week, you're going to conferences, you're reading on the weekends, yeah. and, you know... If, yeah, I mean, those, those 60 hours don't include the reading. Right, the, right. I mean, and they don't pay a lot, so, you yeah. know, they make it easy for you to leave. And so, so for everybody who is out there thinking, I totally want to be an editor and read everything... Yeah. No, no, that's not <laughs> what it's about. Um, I mean, I think the unique thing about being the editor is that you're the one in the room with the art director, or with the copy director, or with the marketing people... Um, so, you know, you have a, I had to get used to giving up that power. Um, did you enjoy it when you had it? Yeah, it was great when everything (laughs) went well, but you know, how often does that happen? And gosh, you know, every time you have a a meeting, right. For one of your books, you're sitting Mm. through like 10 or 12 other books that are not yours. So it's a huge time sink. Um, Oh my gosh. So I, I work in business and, and IT security, and we have so many meetings, and I almost want to say, is this a discussion meeting or a decision meeting? Because status meetings suck. Right, right. and there's a lot of that in <laughs> every of, business. Mm. Books are no exception. Okay, I don't so. want to be an editor anymore. That's no, no, I'm no, don't. <laughs> and yeah, but it was, so it was a hard to change to being an agent, but I love it. I mean, it's actually better than being an editor because... When you're an editor, you get pigeonholed very quickly. Mm. Like, you can only do this kind of book. Um, like, I could never now. I do adult science fiction and fantasy. I do YA and middle grade. And nobody can do that in, as an editor. Uh, They're entirely get, different publishing. Yeah, yeah. And I can, you know, I've done mystery. I, I do romance. I can do, you know, anything I want. I've, I've done nonfiction when I've, uh, not much, but, you know. Some writing books, some parenting books, some... Um, How to destroy, destroy Your Children in 18 Easy Lessons. <laughs> that kind of thing, yes. I now want to write one. How to, <laughs> <laughs> How to Destroy Other People's Children. Oh, yes. Here, from Favorite Aunt Jeannie. <laughs> fun. So what's, what's the process like? So you got a query letter, you know, from this... I guess it wouldn't be... You didn't get queried from Chaz because you just got him. Yeah. got his books. Walk it through the process of, it's not Charlie Strauss, but Charlie sends you his little brother and says, hey, my brother, sorry, Charlie, I don't know your brother's name, but can you give it a read? So um, usually what I do if someone has no credentials is just ask to see 50 pages and a synopsis. I guess um, in old days, that was it was actual paper, so mm-hmm. it mattered that it was smaller and easier to mail. Now I do that just not to get their hopes up too much, you know? There's no real reason. I could always ask for the full. And then, um, you know, you look at it, and it can. it's often, you know, very quick to sort of say, no, you know, this person is not ready. Their writing is not at the right level. And then you pass. Um, If there's something there that, you know, is a spark or you really, you know, like something about it, then you say, can I see the next project? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really a meaningful thing when an agent does that, not just something you're sort of saying to make them feel better. Uh, And then if I like the 50 pages, then I ask to see the full Mm -hmm. manuscript. And then, you know, the good and bad thing about being an agent is that, you know, there's this very clear criteria. Do I think I can sell it? Yeah. And sometimes I read something and I think it's real, you know, shows so much talent or, you know, it's really impressive. 
but I can't imagine selling it. So I have to pass, right? I mean, there's no... So, so tell, me on, tell me on that. I think that's an interesting area. Are there trends that you have to kind of go in? She's giving oh, yeah, me this yeah. look. <laughs> of course there are trends. What are, what are, what are the, some of the current trends then? Tell us. People are... And, and so Because Urban people. Supernatural seems to be going crazy. And... It does? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's all over the bookstores. So you walk in and there's like, shelves and shelves of it. Like, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, the urban supernatural vampires, you know, things in the streets, magic, start, starting from Charles DeLint started something. Oh, yeah, See that? Everything from Anita Blake, Laurel Hamilton. You're talking about urban fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. See, I would, you know, it's, for me, I can't sell any new urban fantasy. Oh, okay. Um, the only people who sell now are the established right. bestsellers. So, like, the Jim Butcher yeah. or the Charlene Harris, the... Laurel Hamilton, um, but no, like a new person, it's almost impossible to break them out. Okay. I mean, the, the editors will sort of sigh and be like, no, you know, I love it, but I just can't, you know, our sales force won't have be able we, to sell it. Have we gotten through the zombie wave yet? Because there, God, that was a long wave. <laughs> I, I really don't like zombies. Um, I don't represent <laughs> any zombie books. <laughs> Deliberately. Well, or will you just never if it makes me one. cringe yeah. when I yeah. read the manuscript, and, and yeah. I'm sure that they're really good, and other people have made a lot of money there, but not not me. Um, I think you so, have so to what's... you have to love a zombie to really be able to represent a zombie. Oh, that that's, would make that's sense. Absolutely true. So, um, so, so, what is the upcoming thing as far as you think? Um, well, right now, yep. you know, finally, horror is coming back a little bit. Yep. You know, Tor has their new imprint, the yep. Nightfire imprint. So that, I think, is a sign that they think that it's coming mm-hmm. back. It's never totally went away, but it was sort of disguised, called Dark Fantasy. Yep. Hello. I wrote some Dark Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and also, finally, um, you know, Chicklet is coming back except now it's called rom-com you know romantic comedy so they've rebranded it mm-hmm. um it's still everybody is looking for diverse voices which yep. is great um within both horror and rom-com mm-hmm. and no is it just is it just the voice of, of the person writing it or is it also different points of view and perspectives of characters or uh, well it's very much a, a moment where people believe in own voices so yeah, you 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 know have to actually own the voice. You can't just use your imagination right, right. now. Right. That's a. Um, there was there was our twenty something that came in and talked a lot about the authenticity of saying right. if you're not a gay female and you're you're a straight white male, the odds of you being able to write a credible gay female are very very small. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there are always exceptions, but yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so what else, you know, people are always hungry for big stories. So like big space operas and big epic fantasy, people are moving away from the really dark, grim fantasy. Oh, even grim dark is on its way out. Yeah. Well, no, I mean the, the, you know, the bestsellers, the bestsellers will continue to sell. Right. But people yeah. are moving away from oh. that. Yes. Okay. Um, now, um, we had in the last episode chatted with uh, Brennan, who was talking about Marie Brennan. Marie Brennan, right? Fabulous, fabulous writer. I was talking about there. Many of them are looking for. It seemed for a while everyone wanted series. Are they still looking for series? Or are they looking more for standalones now? Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Norrell and Mr. Strange was a big standalone smash, for instance. I'm sure they would have loved to make that into a series if she had. They, they made it into a TV series. Right, right. So. Yeah, they would have been happy to have more books uh, in that universe. Um, so I, I would say that publishers want to have it both ways. You know, it's very hard to write in the genre. I mean, you do all that work creating the world and, you know, and, and so people want to, you know, deepen it and yeah. keep, writers certainly want to keep writing to yeah. do series. Um, but publishers are reluctant to make a big financial commitment. I mean, if the first book doesn't do well, then, you know, I can then so is this a flexible thing, sort of like, yeah, we'd of, love your standalone. Oh, that sold really well. You got another right. one. Right. You. Is that can the- <laughs> we have it in two months, please? Like, right. You know. So, you know, ideally, you, I think you want to have it both ways. You want to write a book that has a solid ending, you mm-hmm. know, where people can be satisfied. Right. But you want to have enough threads that it can you be can picked it up. up and you can write more in the world if right. it sells. That makes a lot of sense. So are there other trends that are interesting What that, that you've loved? You mentioned YA. Where's, where's YA going? YA is crowded. Um, you know, for so long, the, you know, the pie was growing. Like mm. it was, you know, and there was room for so many new people. Oh. And, and then, of course, what happens? I mean, editors, they like to buy books. So they, they <laughs> bought lots of YA and... They did a lot of three-book deals, and then all of a sudden, you know, the market was too full, and things stopped selling. And mm. um, so, and then I think, you know, YA authors are tend to be kind of prolific. Mm. So you've got your, I don't know how many, say 10 bestsellers, and they can all write two books a year, and that's 20 new YA books a year, and that's probably enough for most kids, right? They don't need more than that. So, yeah. You know, it's a fight. Uh, so YA is, can be a heartbreaker as an agent right now, as can middle grade. <laughs> same, same general idea, that makes sense. Right, I mean, and especially with middle grade, like, you know, the kids age out of it, like, you know, 8 to 12, yeah. and then, then they're done. And then you've got a new batch of kids, and mm-hmm. they have all, like, 30 Rick Riordan books to read yeah. and all the Harry Potter, and mm-hmm. that's enough for most kids. Mm-hmm. My kids know, you know, they... Would you know they you can raise them properly? Yes, that's right. They're good readers. All right, let me let me throw a dream out there and ask a, a hypothetical question. Chaz wrote Desdemona, which is a magnificent book. What if somebody who'd read it in Hollywood came and said, "I think we should totally make a insert movie, TV show, Netflix show out of this." How does that work? Do they come to you? Where, where does the? Uh... Um, yeah, they do. They come to me, and then. In, you know, it, it varies. In some cases, we'll have a, a co-agent, um, is what it's called. So someone who represents for TV and film uh, already in place. And then I send, you know, the interested person to the co-agent. Do you have a partnership with different co-agents that way? Is that how it works? It's the- Yeah, it's on a project-by-project project basis. Right. So we don't... You know, we we see t- many different um, agents. Mostly, it's for TV now. You know, for 
yeah. either a series or for sort of a what they used to call a mini series. Um, is there a difference? Like as I've been looking at, I, I consume a lot of TV via Netflix these days, and they have their own in Amazon. Like was just I, I went and listened to Neil Gaiman talk about how he was involved in doing Good Omens mm-hmm. as for a mini series. They are is that a new route to market? Is, are those new people coming to you, or are they kind of some of the same old people? Well, I mean, would... just I mean, when I was growing up, right, there were like three channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just, there are a ton of channels, and they're all looking for content. So it's really an explosion. So if, um, if one, there's then a separate set of agents, if somebody started and said maybe they weren't they weren't a novel sort of thinker, but they were a screenwriter thinker, they should are there specific screenwriter agents then that they want to look at? Uh, yes, screenwriting is like a whole different business. Uh, okay. Like they would, you know, I don't handle screenplays, um, and like a screen play agent wouldn't handle a novel so they that makes would sense. different functions yeah, yeah, yeah. cool i just wanted the world to know that i think desdemona should totally be a a, a series on netflix so <laughs> he's blushing it's awesome oh, shut up. Uh, so so what else you come to world fantasy con um mm-hmm. do you do panels do you chat along um i'm not doing a panel this time you know i i think they were the timing didn't work out but no, mostly I meet with clients like Chaz, um, and then I meet with editors who, you know, don't live in New York, so I don't see <laughs> there. Um, if, if you wanted to be an agent, if I wanted to become an agent, do I have to move to New York, or is it just helpful? It's just helpful. You don't have to anymore. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can, like one of our, our agents, um, Hannah Bowman, she was in New York, and then her husband got a job, and now she's in Los Angeles, which is actually really useful in terms of the film TV rights sure. for yeah, us. But, um, but even she, you know, she has to come back to New York mm-hmm. every six months and do a round of meetings to mm-hmm. sort of, you know, stay close to the editors. Right. Are most of the major publishing companies still on the East Coast, or is there anything based out here on the West Coast? Um, there's Chronicle. They're based, I think, definitely the West Coast. I'm not sure where. They're a children's book publisher. They do the Ivy and Bean series that are, that we represent. Um, no, it's, it's mostly, um, mostly New York. And then some of the smaller publishers are, can be anywhere. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, do as an agent, do you work through the things like I know Bookview Cafe? That's where I've found a few different authors. If, if you like this, I have found, for instance, their referrals seem to be more consistently useful to me than Amazon's random. Yeah, if you like this, you like the this. referrals of Bookview Cafe are coming from fifty or sixty very well-read writers, right. rather than an algorithm. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I only I know about it because of Chaz, but no, I haven't done any business with them okay. otherwise. What what advice would you give to anybody who thinks to themselves they might want to be an agent one day? Um, to to have a spouse with health insurance would be very Excellent. helpful. <laughs> I mean, you know, we work on a commission basis. If you work for a big agency like, you know, Trident or CAA or something, then I think it's more traditional. But, you know, we're we're earning commission. So you know, if you, you 
you eat what you kill kind of you know. <laughs> now that's beautiful <laughs> do you take part in any of those i've seen pitch wars out there have you ever yeah, done yeah. any of the i've done that yes is that fun well you know um i've never gotten a client from but, doing that right. but yeah. and it's I don't, it, you know, it seems like if there's something good, there are a dozen people jump on it at once. Mm. So it's not like a great source for right. getting clients. So um, as we're getting close to, to the half hour mark here, what advice would you give to, we have a lot of people that we are constantly saying, anybody can write. That's right. Anybody can write a story. Everybody's got probably even more stories than they think they have. What would you say to these aspiring writers out there of any type? You know, I feel like you have to write because you love writing. You should not be writing because you think it would be so amazing to see your name on a book and have the book in the bookstores because that's really hard. You know, I mean, there's so many great publishers that aren't, uh, or, you know, great writers that aren't published. Um, I think, and I think that you should, one of the great things about being in a community, whether it's science fiction and fantasy or mystery or romance, is that you do have conferences like this that you can go to and you can um, meet other people and, you know, be part of a group that really loves it. And so you can you can get the pleasure of the actual writing and then you can get that community um, because you know, it's a tough business being published. And if that's all you're in it for, then it's going to be hard. There is a piece of that kit. Catherine Kerr, Kerr said to us, uh, do you, if you want to decide if you want to be a novelist or whether you actually want to be a writer? Because a novelist right. wants to have a, piece, a book they can hold up to their family and say, I published a book. Whereas writers just, oh, they didn't like that one? I got another one. Here. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's a... Uh, um, you know, it's it's wonderful and it's terrible and it's you know. <laughs> it's mostly terrible. <laughs> I can see that. Okay. Yes. Um, um, further further to what Kit said, um, there was a review once by Stephen Spender, the poet, of um, a, a memoir by another poet who shall remain nameless, um, and and Spender said of this book, uh, Mister X says many times in his book that he always wanted to be a poet. He never says that he wanted to write a poem. And I think that is... There you go. Harsh. It's true. I mean, you do, when you go to a conference, there are always the people who are asking you all the questions about the subrights and the copy and everything, and you're always like, well, what are you writing? And they don't really have anything to say. We will put links to many of the interesting things that we mentioned on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We love email if anybody ever wants to write your email. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the host. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is Dave Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, enabling you all to buy cool WDC swag, including the latest Live at Mally's, recorded on the world's prettiest microphone. Pick one up today. That'd be great.